Welcome to the HeartStrong Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lindbergh. Like many of you, I'm living a life that I just did not expect. And over the years, I've come to value the idea of living HeartStrong, of growing through the challenges in my life, and let's face it, the challenges in our times. And I'm on a mission to help you do the same. So each week, I talk to thought leaders, authors, experts, and everyday amazing people who have something to teach us all about living fully amidst our struggles. I have learned so much from others along my journey, and so I hope that my guests will help you on yours. Let's get started. On today's podcast, I'm joined by Gabby Govea. Gabby is the executive director and co-founder of Let Grace In, which is a nonprofit organization that supports families after the death of their child. They have an amazing organization which offers programs including monthly therapeutic events, the Hope Retreat, and the Grief Recovery Method educational series. And really, Let Grace In is all about encouraging resilience and community um, in practical ways to, to move through grief. All of this was created by Gabby's sincere desire to support bereaved families after the death of her own son, Grayson, which she will tell you about shortly. Gabby is a grief recovery specialist, a speaker, and an advocate for bereaved families. And she is the author of a new book, which we're also going to talk about, called My Journey with the Wind, A Magical Story of Grief. Gabby currently works as a registered nurse and has worked in nursing leadership and intensive care, um, all kinds of nursing. Gabby has done for many people. Um, She was also recently recognized as the nurse of the year for community stewardship. She's an all-around amazing woman. Gabby and her life partner, Kaeo, live in Honolulu, Hawaii, where I would love to be today with their two daughters, Olivia and Charlie. So welcome to the podcast, Gabby. I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you, Jessica. Aloha. Aloha. And so I'm so looking forward to this conversation for many reasons. And, um, you know, we've talked before this and we have many ideas and thoughts in, in common in our life. And so I'm really excited for people to learn from you today. That's why we're here. So I want to start the podcast talking about Grayson, your son, and the inspiration for the work that you're doing. So tell us about Grayson um, and what he's taught you in your life. Yes, thank you. Um, Grayson's been the most important teacher, I think, in my life overall. He was our first child. Um, and so, you know, that transition of becoming a new parent was so exciting. And we just, you know, we we marveled in all of the little things he did and how funny he was and how sweet his personality was. And and he was um, he was a lover. And he was somebody that was so easy to connect to. And he loved um, garbage trucks and Power Rangers and and all those things. Um, we had Olivia shortly after, maybe about three years, and um, joined our family. Like When I share about Grayson, I always love to bring a little picture. And I know not everybody's oh. going to be able to see this as they're listening. But mm-hmm. this picture is of him on the beach. Um, holding up his little I love you sign with this sign language on his hand and he's got his tongue out. And this was, you know, depicts about, you know, his goofy, fun personality. Um, and he was kind of more of a laid back boy, not that typical, very rambunctious, high energy activity um, little guy. But when he was five years old, um, he was starting to 
have some vomiting um, and he wasn't able to, we call it slipper instead of flip-flop here in Hawaii. He wasn't able to keep those on on his left foot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of weird. And as an intensive care nurse for 15 years at the time, I knew something was wrong and took him to the pediatrician several times and wanted to believe, oh, it was unrelated or something else. And um, one day we took him to the emergency room after about three weeks of symptoms um, and clear blood tests and found out that he had a brain tumor. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took them quite a while to kind of figure out and diagnose him because that week we were admitted. He had a a tumor resection. They sent it away. Um, It was about six weeks before we found out um, that it was a very aggressive brain cancer called glioblastoma, which is rare in children. And that, and that I remember that day that our pediatrician called us. I was in the Target parking lot and nobody else was with me. Um, and understanding medical terminology, I heard very clearly that this was um, something with no standard treatment and no mm-hmm. cure. Um, and we were, you know, told we'd be focusing on his quality of life, that Grayson wow. wouldn't survive. Um, and I remember driving home, not knowing, am I going to make it? And just in rage, I think that was kind of like the beginning of my journey of my grief, uh, looking back, screaming at the top of my lungs for God to cure my son. And I remember the burning in my throat and, um, and just that, that initial, just devastation, um, that moment of kind of hopelessness where you can't imagine this journey ahead of you um, with someone you love so much and not knowing uh, what you are about to face. Um, And, you know, we eventually got an experimental program, um, but it was hard. You know, we had to learn how to like swallow pills and wrap them in fruit roll-ups and just the journey of childhood cancer is just so difficult um and as a parent you just feel so out of control and so helpless and witnessing your child go through all that is really painful so um I remember laying in my bed and having a moment with God and just being like I don't know why this is happening um you know but I'm whatever it is I don't get it but I'm in you know, like, just tell me what to do. I had to just surrender that moment and trust that whatever was happening at that moment, I couldn't control it, but I needed to trust that I just needed to lean on something much bigger, greater, and more powerful than my own human strength. Um, and that was kind of like the beginning of our journey together. And, and you know, nine months later, Grayson went through a lot of surgeries and chemo and all of those things and eventually died in our home. Um, and that was in 2016. Um, and the last two weeks, Grayson just had these like amazing words of encouragement, I think, for me to make sure that I would be able to survive, you know. But um, somehow I think the veil was so thin and he was kind of maybe moving back and forth, um, you know, through this like energy exchange and was just, you know, sharing that sometimes you can't help the things you have to go through amidst deep pain. He was sharing these things. And, you know, before he died, like just to say, like, don't worry, you know, those were the last things, the words that he said. He told you, he said to you not to worry. Wow. Yeah. And just to basically, I think, believe, just, just keep going, just continue to, you know, 
don't worry about this battle within this grief that you're going to be left with here, but just, just believe in, and, and basically I love you and I'll always be with you. You know, I think that was a big thing that continues, you know, to be with me and to, to choose love over and over again, as much as I could in my life. And something that really stays with me always. Yeah. 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 Do you, you, you mentioned God and I'm wondering, you know, when you were in that anger place of that just enraging anger and I, you know, it brings tears to my eyes to listen to you because I, I felt the things that you said and my stories are different, but I remember telling my husband I wanted to take a baseball bat to the windows of the hospital. Not because I was, I was just so mad. I was so mad. Um, it's like I, there, there was so much rage. And so when you were in that place, I mean, did you waver in your faith? Did you find it comforting? Like where, how was that for you? Um, the anger part, I, this is something that I, I always kind of looked back and say, where was I angry? Cause I generally mm-hmm. don't feel like an angry person, but as I've kind of like moved through my grief and examined things more closely, it's like, no, I had a deep rage in this moment. And, um, I don't think I was necessarily thinking or worrying about my faith, but I think that I knew God could take it, you know, mm-hmm. like I was just so honest, um, and I had, wa- I had wavered in my faith before. So um, all through my 20s, I grew up Catholic. And I, I had gone after that, after college, like really deciding, like, what do I want? What, what does real life look like with God? Like, what does that even mean? Have I just been, you know, following along and doing these rituals? And do I have a, I didn't have a real personal connected relationship with God. I didn't have the tools. I didn't have the mentorship. And I think I didn't have the like community that matched what I needed to really feel like I could get to that deeper level of faith. And, and this complete brokenness in my life really invited me into a personal relationship with God that I had never, ever felt before. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so maybe at this point, it was an opportunity to just be so emotionally truthful and honest um, with the creator, like he, he could take it. So I guess mm-hmm. maybe it was building trust with him. Maybe it was like a moment where I could just demand from God to cure my son um, just in that pure, honest, emotional space um, and and just be completely real. And, and, you know, he's always been there and held me in whatever phase. So I guess this was part of our journey together of maybe mm-hmm. connecting deeper. Um, yeah. And, 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 and then came that trust portion of like, okay, I get it. I'm not the one in control, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> all this time I thought I, I was controlling yeah. things and, you know, and we do control our effort and our attitude for sure. I think yeah. we do play a role and we do have free choice and, and whether or not, but this was like, um, my opportunity to lean in, in a way I'd never had done before. Mm. Yeah. I love how you said it was an opportunity because 
you know, I think sometimes when we're going through hard things or especially from the outside when people are looking in at us going through something, uh, we really think of it as, as an opportunity. But I, I do believe the same. I think that our our heartaches are our most amazing opportunities, really. Um so I so I want to know you so Grayson died nine months after he was diagnosed. And then what? And and then what? How did how did let Grayson, which I love the name, it's so cool. How did that come to be? Um, you know, I I think it's so funny. So let Grayson mm-hmm. um I maybe was meant to be all along and I didn't mm. know. Maybe I'm just a part of the the process. I'm just a tool and a vessel um for this this love to be out in the world. Um, because I do feel like there was no plan there. I have no business background. (laughs) Um, there, you know, my husband thank thankfully is an entrepreneur and has a lot of different business backgrounds. So he takes care of all the kind of the back of the house and the logistical things. Um, but, um, yeah, I think let Grayson is, is just, um, a journey and another invitation, another opportunity um, into discovering more of my gifts and talents mm-hmm. and also in a way to bring Grayson's love um, into the world in a tangible way um, mm-hmm. without really realizing. So I think that through my own healing process that um, I discovered a way to just be love in his honor or to begin this space that would invite other practitioners who um, practice this heart medicine. Um, One of our team members, our child life, she just shared that recently that when she joined the team, she felt like, oh, everyone is practicing in this way that's different than the outside world and our day jobs that it's a very um, centered, intuitive place where creativity is allowed. And maybe we try to realize the best parts of ourselves and, and express them with our gifts within this organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I never really had a plan for that. But my therapist had said, well, maybe you should do something with grief. And I was like, oh, it's too heavy. It's too (laughs) ugly. It's too big. Like, what could I possibly offer? Um, And and sometimes it's just that willingness to try and to follow that most inner, wise, whole, centered part of ourselves that wants to speak up, but we silence. Yeah. You said there are a couple things. First of all, I love the idea of heart medicine because I think at the end of the day, that's what people need most in our world, right? I mean, we can't always cure the illness. I mean, I, you and I both know that. Yes. Um, but I think we can help people experiencing healing in their hearts. I mean, I think that's that's possible for you know, physically healthy people and, 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 and ill people, right? Like our hearts can always experience healing. And I think perhaps that's the most important work of our time. Um, as I look at 
my experience and watching people for a very long time. So I think that that's really beautiful. And I, I want to, I want to ask you too, you said something about, you know, basically something being born in you, uh, into this organization that you've created that you weren't even really expecting. And I'm wondering, did, when Grayson died physically, left his physical body, was something born in you that wasn't, that, that maybe was obviously always there, but wasn't, didn't uh, have breath yet? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Um, I really think, you know, I love how you say we're made for our lives uh, and, mm. and that these experiences, um, you know, I really, I really do feel like Grayson's life and death really, you know, brought something alive in me for sure, a hundred percent more than any other experience. And, and part of that I think is because it's like the deepest, most painful thing, but also it expanded the spectrum on the other end, the joy and that I didn't even know I wasn't living fully before. Mm. I didn't even realize that I was limiting my fullest, greatest joy. You know, I guess that's like being back in touch with like that child that just plays and experiences life fully. And, and I had experienced all of that um, before, but yeah, definitely a new way, a new clarity um, a new, like all of these cliches that I had heard before, I finally understood differently. And even love, like it's an overused word, um, but at the core of what it was and in in real action and that like true sacrifice. And then also the concept of like, all of this pain and then all of this deep, beautiful love, like connected side by side, both existing in the same space, that wholeness um, was really new too. Um, And for sure, you know, that opportunity to decide like, what is a meaningful life? What does that mean? What do I really actually want now that it's torn and I've, everything is torn down and I have lost something the most precious right our children are the most precious things like I've lost so much um it sort of began a bravery and maybe like a fearlessness in like well now that I've lost it all and I realize none of this material things in worldly values matter what does and what is in me? And and this was a whole new way of thinking and being just in life. And, and learning also to, to hear and learn to listen and quiet down to try to figure out for myself, like, what, what is it? What, what is my life trying to say to me? Mm, you know? And then also that. hanging on to like <laughs> this greater, like, love force that was connecting me and Grayson and everyone I think in this world now um and and leaning in on that and trying to tune in tune in my radio to the right <laughs> station you know like I had to switch stations because I had this like other music that really wasn't you know vibing with me anymore 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so definitely for sure, new things and, 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 a and a new adventure in a way, you know, but very painful one at the same time. But it sounds like an expansiveness I'm hearing in your, in your story. You felt like you were expanding in a way, which is never comfortable, right? I think our kids and just having a sick child expands you because then you, you become aware of a part of life that you didn't know existed or ever wanted to know existed. And then having him, him die is another expansiveness. And, you know, I just thought of this as, as I was sitting here, you know, I, I do believe we're invited to our life. And I think that that is, you know, a hard thing some days for me to admit to myself. I'm like, oh gosh, this is not what I really was hoping for, you know? Um, yeah. But and that's just honest. But right. I, I believe it with everything that I know that wh- where, whoever you are, whatever you're facing, there is something in that for you. Um, and, you know, I think sometimes wh- some people just have a hard time. I think some people get kind of stuck in that space. And I think a lot of mothers do, uh, you know, who have sick children or who have, whose children have died. And I, I, I feel that temptation days some still, I mean, it'll be 10 years that Ethan died this May, which seems like a really long time in the clock world, but it's not, you know, I, I still feel so connected to him and I'm so thankful for that. Um, but there is sometimes this pull back. I feel like, like this, rope, you know, wants to pull you down into the sadness. And and I think we do need a lot to allow ourselves to be there. But I also feel this pull to continuous expansion, continuous love, continuous yes. growth. Like tell me about, talk to me about that and 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 how you've said more yeses to the growth and fewer to the I don't want to say sadness because I think sadness is okay. I don't think we should ever shove anything down. So I don't want to give that, but, but just the, 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 I feel like the low energy or the low vibration of, of continuous sadness versus the high vibration of love and growth and expansion. Yeah. Yeah. I agree hundred percent because I think the only way through is to feel all right to get to the other end. You've got to go through all of that. Yes. But yeah. That, but that we focus on like the work of it, you know, that showing up. And it's funny that you're saying, saying yes, because that was actually something I said to myself, like, okay, mm-hmm. Gabby, no matter how uncomfortable, right at the beginning of my grief, we, we've got to figure out what we're going to do here. So you need yeah. to like say yes, even when it's uncomfortable, even when you don't want to go, you got to try it. You got to do it. You got to just go there. You have to tell yourself that this is your job this this mm. this moving through grief and this learning and figuring it out and we don't know where we're going or what's happening but we got to do we got to do something we got to move towards something and and grayson says love and i felt that in my body mm. so remembering that you know and and when the waves come okay allow yourself some space for that you know yes. so it doesn't pile up we don't shove it somewhere you yep. know let's let's spend a moment in that but let's not be that let's not right. be my grief okay gabby like let's let's just i did a lot of self-talk through this right because you gotta like <laughs> really coach yourself through it. it's just like okay you don't want to work out then find a way that feels good and i did a ton of hiking and i had friends that you know companioned me and pulled me out and got me out of the house and the sunshine and nature and then i was like "Ooh, that felt good let's do mm-hmm. more of that so i also was reading books and listening to podcasts and things and um 
resilient grieving by Lucy Hone. She was, she is like a research, um, a researcher and, and she was like comparing like natural disasters to grief once her daughter died. But, um, she was saying like, okay, you got very little energy and grief. So you just better, um, use it in the way that feels good. So things that help do more of that. And that's kind of a logical way of kind of moving through anything, right? So like, don't try to force yourself to do it the way someone else did it because you got to speak and walk your own journey. And you got to know from that part of yourself, what's actually really working. Like, let's get honest with ourselves. Like if, if you're trying to tell yourself you need to do X, Y, Z, cause that person does it. Well, if it doesn't feel good to you and it's not helping, it's obviously not your path, you know, and to just, to just ask yourself, or to ask myself, you know, what does feel good? What is working? Do more of that. And I did check in a lot with God, like, okay, God, what is it? And he, I felt like it was like a little assignment, you know, and he mm. went slow at the beginning. He's like, just sit across the table from trusted friends where you can be emotionally honest and just do that for a while. And then he started allowing me to reveal, reveal like, oh, there's, there's, you know, actually some tension and, and, and hangups and leftover baggage in this relationship. Why don't you put some energy towards that? And so I didn't realize that my grief work was going to be so much of my own interpersonal work. But I found that I think if you want to be the better anything, mother, worker, sister, brother, daughter, nurse, that you just got to keep pulling back those layers or figuring out what the next assignment is to get towards something that opens up a more sure, authentic version of yourself. Because we're all that best selves under there. It's just covered up with garbage, you know, and things yeah. that we've collected or self-talk that's negative. And, and, and I've had a lot of that too for myself. So, mm-hmm. so re- even just realizing what I was holding, carrying, believing, you know, to start some sort of change is, is recognizing that. And so through all these little things, I think there were tiny little light bulbs and I live for those light bulbs because I want to know, Oh, and, and so I think that that sort of gets addicting in a way where you feel like, you know what? Oh my God. One year later, I feel so different or Mm -hmm. it does take time and it's these tiny itty bitty little pieces, but yeah, saying yes to all of those spaces and, and doing things towards something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, we live in a culture where people want, and, and we're human, so I get it. They want, you know, the five steps or the 10 steps and, 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 and that is just not real. And it's, you know, not a linear life. It's not, it, 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 there aren't those things. Um, but I love how you said you just went to the next assignment. That's so cool because, I I think that that's right. You know, you go and you do the next thing and then you find out what's next. And I know I've struggled with that even in, you know, having a nonprofit also and you get nervous about things and you wonder where things are going to go. I've really learned to just say, okay, well, if this is meant to continue, then it will continue. If not, there'll be something else, right? And so I think there is a freedom that we get when we have had to face these kinds of things, that is really a gift. That's one of the gifts. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And you just don't know you can live that way, you know? And it yeah. doesn't mean that you have a perfect life in any way whatsoever. No. <laughs> There's always so hard. There's always more work, right? This is like a misunderstanding. But there is some freedom, you're right, in this like recognition of like, oh, wow. Like if I just just trust and feel and move through like, and, and that you can experience it in all different ways, you know, like right. I, I'm a nurse and I do nonprofit work. So then I started like feeling this way in my nursing life and it changed the way that I interacted with patients and families. Sure. Yeah. And so there, it's just fascinating. I just feel like it, it's, it feels like I'm more alive than I ever was mm. before. And that feels good. You know, that and I want more good. of that. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's really beautiful. So you started Let Grace In and tell us about your mission. Like, what are you here to do with Let Grace In? What do you feel called to, how do you feel called to serve people through your organization? Yeah, well, our mission, our mission in general is to restore hope um, by building community and then fostering the whole person, right? Spiritual, physical, mental, emotional, the whole person, a holistic approach, fostering that well-being. Um, and, you know, the the programming started with our monthly events and just kind of bringing people together. So that community, I think grief can be so isolating. And especially in child loss, there's a lot of different kinds of grief. And, and I'm talking about, you know, loss from death, but then divorce and separation, all kinds. I mean, grief is, is all kinds of loss and change together. Mm -hmm. Um, but child loss is not common. You know, I didn't have any friends in my personal circle who had lost a child. And so coming together with other people in the community, who had more of a similar loss in that sense really felt like vital to the process and normalizing what I felt. And I, I've gotten over time more comfortable um, being able to say, yeah, I was raging and I do lay on my shower floor and cry and that's mm -hmm. normal. And I did think about how am I ever going to live again? Do I want to? And yep. that's normal. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that we get that when we get to be together um, and we come in an environment that is safe, where we really care about one another, whether we're strangers or not, um, and that we, we have an opportunity to have this deep compassion for one another. And I think that's what we're all really longing for. We want to be seen. We want to be heard. We want to be loved. And who better than other people who have experienced this similar really devastating, unbearable pain that lots of other people are not going through at that time and have a hard time pausing to understand or really make the space and time for. Um, so we wanted to also not duplicate what was already happening in the community. So there were more support groups um, where you take turns speaking. I'm sure, you know, people understand that concept, but also our world doesn't give us good tools. So nobody gave a grief class in high school or college and said, you know, when you have a loss or a divorce or you move away from college, like what, what you just did from your home and lose all your friends and all that, this is, these are things that you can do to help it feel better or to get through. And by the way, you're normal and natural and that what you're feeling is not unusual. Nobody does that. So to make a space where it's just, you know, recognizing, um, 
we have limited tools. So, hey, let's try out all these things and you don't have to do anything but show up. So we do a, a whole variety that touches on this, this holistic approach of things. And people also get to pick and choose. If that month it doesn't really vibe with them, then they might not participate, but they might say, oh my gosh, I've always wanted to do pottery. I've always wanted to um, you know, go to that ocean clinic with that nonprofit. We partner with people in the community and, and we offer something to do or try um, in addition to an opportunity to share and be with one another. Um, that when, when I first talked to you about this, I was really struck about how you integrated your beautiful Hawaiian culture with grief. And I think it's very unique. I remember getting off the phone with you thinking, that is amazing and it is so needed because, you know, you can't just talk your way through or out of grief. You, it, it's because you're just replaying things in your mind and we are mind, body, and spirit. And you're really integrating all of those things together. So tell us about your team and tell us, you know, just tell us why that, that matters so much because there is, you know, when we go through trauma, there is an, our nervous system is, is, is on overload, which many people's are and the world is on overload right now. And so that embodiment, the, the physical portions are important. So just talk to me through like the different ways that you, that you approach this because I think it's really, really amazing. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, grief, you know, affects all the parts of our lives, right? All right. the parts of us. Um, and, and for us to really recover ourselves in some meaningful way, we have to really address all the parts of us. And although we're whole, we can also take time to separate and acknowledge and, and not everybody can really, um, needs to do the same things or has to try different things. So, um, with Hawaiian culture, we, so in, in like Grace and our team, our team has a team of experts, right? So everyone does their own thing and comes and uh, creates programs around what they're really good at or what their life has called them to do. Um, so Kumu Kori Kumu is in Hawaiian teacher. Um, and so he's a cultural practitioner, but he also has a master's in psychology. So it's it's a way for him to to use laolapa'au, which is like a traditional Hawaiian plant medicine, um, and lomi lomi, which is like a cultural practice of massage to address like the body, of course, you know, we hold grief in our body. So Lomi Lomi helps kind of move that energy and everything, but it's actually more holistic. It's taking care of the whole person. It's intuitively tuning into energy, building trust on the table. And then also like, how do we move that through the person in and out? Like if we're holding all of that grief and stress in one place, how do we approach the muscles and massage that out and that in using energy and spirit? So Hawaiian culture actually um, is holistic by nature in the sense where even if it's plant medicine using the plants but also tuning in um to kiakua which is god it's a new a different way of approaching um the spirit as well so if if you know if there's a lot of like negative negativity attached to god and church and that kind of community and those kinds of things it's another way to just tune into more the truth of of that whatever you call it however you 
you can resonate with that higher power. Um, and then using the plants as sort of like the invitation, or he says like the handshake, the friend. So teaching, what is it about? How do we use this? And then also reviving that culture that's been lost and oppressed in Hawaii. Um, people haven't been able to speak the Hawaiian language a lot or integrate that into everything that, that we've done. And it's perpetuating that Hawaiian culture, whether or not you have Hawaiian ancestry, born in being born and raised here, I feel a, a direct connection and and also the Allah spirit. Like people talk about that in Hawaii when you come, like there is a sense of like community and family and togetherness and love and aloha is part of or should be a part of our everyday being and way of of being so um using the sand the ocean there's all these traditional ways and of course right the nature is beautiful and and connecting and tuning in back again kind of helps ground us and center us back in our healing process and then allowing um different cultural practices where we can kind of leave our grief into mother nature and ground to take care of it you know and it's sort of like an internal Marie Kondo-ish where you you're mm -hmm. sorting through all of the things and thanking them but no longer mm -hmm. needing them without yeah. really being aggressive about that just being able to say oh you know um you know I no longer need you anymore and this is something I really want to set aside um and then we do have a sibling program because you know that siblings often don't have a chance to be recognized and to have a place for their healing. They And they see these grieving parents who have very little energy and maybe aren't able to like tune in or be as present anymore in their grief and things are different. And they often want to take care of the parents or have these other roles. So we have um, a child life specialist who's a grief bereavement specialist. She's the one who authored our children's book. And then our co-author, she's a licensed marital therapist, um, like family and marital therapist. And she's also an art therapist. And then she's getting certified in nature mandalas. So this all these different ways to engage in I guess therapy besides like sitting on someone's couch or just only having we do have share you know in support but it, it's it's just um offering just um tools and things and different people and personalities and and then oftentimes I get to take a seat and be the bereaved parent instead mm. of having to be the leader of these modalities and these programs. Wow. I what I what I was struck by by that is that, you know, sometimes in I think American culture, there is this sense, or I don't even know if that's the right way to define it, but in this Western culture that we live in, there's this sense of, you know, uh, I'll give you advice and you follow these things and then you'll be better. You know, we we write books that way, we consume social media that way. We have people as a culture, it's like we're always looking to someone else. And what I think is very true is that when we're helping somebody heal, we are holding space for them. We are giving them an opportunity to move through their own story. And what you're doing is you're giving tangibility to that, if you will, through, you know, touch and through connection to nature. And you know, as I listen to you talk about that, 
I, it's almost like that is what we intuitively need. I mean, I remember just, I ran a lot after Ethan died and just the, the feeling of my feet on the pavement, the one, two, one, two, I, it's like my brain needed that, you know, and there were just different things. It's like, we, we need to heal in our body and our minds and our spirits, you know, and our emotions. It's a holistic thing. So I, just think you're really on to something. And I think it's really powerful. And I think it's just really, really needed. You know, I, I just, uh, I applaud you for, and Grayson for bringing this to life, right? Because it's through his love that it even exists at all. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, the world is a very hard place right now. And, and, and I, and we, you know, we're not looking for answers, but I, I think, you know, we're recording this podcast. There is currently Russia has invaded Ukraine and the things that we're seeing. I mean, I will tell you, I have been undone by it. Undone. Um, just, I think when you go through something like we've been through watching trauma, being witness to other people's experiences through our nonprofit work, and knowing what it's like to watch your children suffer and to try to shield your other children from grief, from the trauma, right? Because we've done that with it. We've tried to, it, it has undone me. And um, I'm just wondering if we can provide any ideas for people listening of what practices or things that they can do in their daily life if they are just feeling really heavy by the status of our world. Yeah. You know, um, this is a tough question, right? And yeah. and I think that it happens over and over in our world. Well, we'll the truth is we'll never stop evil or darkness. I hate to even just use evil, but I mean, there are really hard things all the yeah. time happening, whether we see them or not, whether they're on our TV or not. And um the thing that comes to mind is just that we can't battle that darkness with more darkness. You know, the mm -hmm. only thing, what is that saying that can bring, that can do that is light, light. and love. Yeah. And, and maybe we don't always think that what we do in ourselves matter or, or here. Um, but I think that we're all connected. I, I really am more and more and more. I'm so convinced that we're one. And mm. that's why it matters so much what we do and how we treat every single other person that we come into contact with. Um, so before all of that, I think feeling the heaviness and and hearing these stories and 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 even trying to imagine what it's like to, you know, be trapped in the bomb shelter and not have food or be scared for your children or, and these are people just like us. Yes, they they're are. not, you know, they're just like shop owners and teachers and nurse and yeah. people who are out there in the community. And this happens. It's not like they're, they're very different than us. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that raising our compassion for what other people are going through in the world is a good first step to hit pause on the rat race and that hamster wheel that we're running on and is exhausting us for us to just imagine for one minute you know like oh what 
would that be like? It sort of also, as we've talked about opportunity and invitation to like say, man, you know, this, this could be me just as it could be them. So, so what is it with my opportunity witnessing this that I can do? Because there's a lot of things we cannot do. We cannot, Putin is his own, we're not going to be able to do anything to him and resentment and anger and all of those things is like, right, you've heard this before, drinking poison and hoping somebody else is hurt, right? right? So so what we can do, I think, is take a moment, feel that, raise our compassion, really send just loving energy over to all those people that are there mm. and then decide how can we in our own lives make some sort of mini change or bring a new ounce of love into the world that could possibly bring our and 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 the US has a huge um you know, influence on the world too. So like how we are in ourselves, in our nuclear family, in our community, in our state expands to our nation, expands to our world too, right? And so, I don't know, maybe thinking like, yes, we feel very small, but that's one small step. Imagine if we all chose love every day or decided, you know, and there are practical things that you can do too. There's people out there who are giving practical ways to donate to the humanitarian crisis to, you know, these people who might be refugees that did never expected to, to deliver practical things, food and water mm-hmm. supplies and things that people need on the ground. So there, I think there are things, and if you have the resources, ways to, to give back and, and do something, mm-hmm. you know, but then it, there's also that, that just human to human um, way of connecting or thinking, um, Mm -hmm. you know, you can call it prayer or just also offering yourself like an inner shift of like, okay, so in my own life, if, if this were to happen or there was something unpredictable, like, you know, how, how maybe would I want to be different today in my own life? That's really beautiful. You know, I was watching the news the other night and um, Anderson Cooper on CNN was interviewing a mother who was in a bomb shelter with her three children. And it, I mean, I started crying watching her, like tears were flowing out of my eyes. You know, I just, I, I felt her, you know, in that moment. And he said to her, he's like, how are you doing? And she said, I'm okay. I'm really okay. And I think he was taken back by her, by her response. And I thought, I just was thinking to myself, I'm like, I remember when I was in the height of Ethan's illness and things were really bad and, and, and it was not good. And people would ask me and I'd say, I was, I'm okay. I'm okay. And I really meant it in that moment because I got the grace, talk about luck, grace. And I had the grace for my calling, for my invitation at that moment. Mm-hmm. And I really felt like that's what that woman was saying. Like she was like, I have grace for right mm-hmm. now, for right, for this moment. Yeah. And I just thought to myself after I, I heard her, I thought to myself, I am just going to pray and ask for tremendous grace for these people because somehow for some reason they're being called to this moment. I don't understand it, but we're all called to these moments in our life. And, um, I don't have the answers, but I do believe we get some gifts to, to do it. And so I don't know, that's what I've come to a little bit in the last few days. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't know what we can do until we're in that moment. 
we don't know what we can handle. So your your comment triggered me to remember like one of my friends and I was telling her, you know what, no matter what happens, either way, how it goes, it's going to be okay. Yeah. And now reflecting back and witnessing myself in my memory at that time, I was like, how did I, how could I even say that? Whether my son lives or dies, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Like, you're right. That grace we're experiencing in that moment, you know, and, and it's not all clear then either. Right. And it's a lot of processing yeah. and moving back and, and looking back, but like, you're right. Don't underestimate the people in Ukraine and they have fought back oh, and they're, they're finding their bravery and they are having this opportunity in a way, which sounds horrific in some points, but it is, it is. And it's, it's life. Um, and I think that when we can step back and take a look at life in that way, like, oh, it's not supposed to be easy. And actually the things that are really painful are the things that have grown me the most. And so how can we look at this as something, an opportunity to learn? Of course, there's going to be tears and it hurts and it's awful and it feels bad at sometimes, but as long as we kind of keep coming back or reminding ourselves or finding a way back to center, um, how can we, and you've talked about this, make use of our suffering mm-hmm. in a way that feels good, Yeah, you know? And I think all the, the greatest minds and the most inspiring people out there that I've read, everyone says the same thing in their own life version, you know, that there are a lot of all of the same kind of concepts articulated uniquely in their own way. Um, of course, for all different people to receive the message. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I mean, whew, yeah. we just got to yeah. show up with what we got yeah. all wounded and broken and just try something. Cause if we sit and do nothing, we know what's going to happen. Nothing. Exactly. And we're not wrapping this up in a bow. We're not, we're not saying any of this is easy. This is messy and this is complicated. And this is sometimes we're like, you know, screaming and kicking our way through things, but showing up in these spaces and believing that we are in our, the life that we're called to in this moment, there is something empowering about that. Um, And you know, I believe it for all of us. I, I want to, as we kind of wrap up, I want to talk about signs because I, I, I want to know, um, do you believe in signs from heaven? Like, do, do you, have you experienced that? Yes, 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 yes. And I never uh, had that experience before until Grayson died. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a desperate, like, want to stay connected, right? And their physical sure. selves are not there. So you are definitely seeking and thinking about what happened? Where did he go? Like quantum physics says the energy just transitions to something else. So then how is it tangible? But, you know, I think even before Grayson died, when he was more in like a, a coma state with the brain mm-hmm. tumor that kind of happened longer and longer periods where he wasn't speaking and talking, there were moments where I felt like his soul was speaking to me, you know, mm-hmm. or I was able to communicate with him in a way um, where I got messages and understood. Um, and sometimes it's it's that that essence, um, you know, and for sure. So I started seeing hearts, all kinds of hearts. So it'd be like, oh, that's funny that rock looked like a heart or like, oh, I started noticing like, oh, 
plop goes the baby food. I had an infant and it's like, oh, in the shape of a heart or it's like mm. that leaf. Or, and I had never noticed that before. And it took me a little bit and I was like, oh my goodness, I think that these hearts are like for me. I think that these are actually for me. And that was the first kind of like way that I started documenting and finding and giggling because they would come when I needed them or not a reminder or like I was sad or just any time, you know? Um, and then over time, it's been like triple numbers. And I feel like I've seen every single triple number license plate on Oahu wow. <laughs> in front of me every day. Like it's just constant and all the time. Um, I hundred percent believe in, in, in angel science, um, and it, I think that we all can receive love from that realm, which we cannot use our five senses to detect, but that we have to open our hearts to that in a way where we can also receive and that it is my daily bread. It mm -hmm. is something that continues to offer me hope and that I can continue on and to know I'm loved and supported by an army of unseen angels and guides and that's so powerful to tap into that and and um I had heard somebody talk about a near-death experience and the way that she experienced what we call heaven or that afterlife was the essence of unconditional love and she thought that's what God was and mm. when I actually felt that in my heart, like that resonated with me so much because I feel like there's a lot of misunderstandings, but when you feel it in your body and your soul and all the parts of you, and it is 100% real, but unseen, untouchable, untastable, unfeelable, it is the truth. And, and I just feel like that unconditional love continues to guide and encourage and love and 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 I love like being connected um and and so that that is accessible all the time um no matter what and it and it's it's always the truth and it's always you know the something I can trust and depend and lean on and and be in but yeah heaven is always speaking I feel like and I love it I believe that too. And I think it's a choice, you know, to, to, to live beyond our five senses. We're in such a five sensed world, right? But there's so much, um, you know, I, I feel the same. I think it's, it's a beautiful opportunity to think beyond that and to connect. So I want to ask you two more things before, um, we end today. You just released a new book. You mentioned it at the beginning of the interview. So I want to, if you can just tell people a little bit about it and tell them where they can find it. Sure. It's called My Journey with the Wind, A Magical Story of Grief. It was written by our child life specialist, who's also a bereavement specialist. And it's about a, a grieving sibling. Um, and the main character kind of starts off and is taken on a, a magical journey from her tear into all of these um, different experiences, a lot through nature, the emotion rainbow, treasure box, the tsunami storm, um, you know, a, a, a comforting shore experience. And, um, you know, 
really recognizing at the end that all along her brother had always been there mm-hmm. and that she could still connect with him and through all the memories and love and nature is a big part of helping her discover that that he's always been there and then um there's a second portion of the book which i think makes it really unique um is that there's like activity pages in the back oh, cool. so our therapist um, our <clears throat> who works with children and our child life specialist and bereavement specialist put, well, the three of us actually collaborated together. I brought the bereavement, the bereaved mother experience to it and what kind of helped in thinking in that way. Um, like how do we um, journal and, go- and doodle and color and create and do some art therapeutic activities, uh, meditation. Um, and and it's like a real way, right, all in one to read the story and then go through these activities in no specific order. And in the same language with a caregiver, a parent, um, somebody who is a therapist, a hospice, it really is for teacher, anyone who is guiding a child and being able to engage with them in these therapeutic activities at the end, right then and there and in relation to the story. So um, all of the activities, you know, are ways to process what we've just read and go back and move through. And, and I think that's what makes it the most unique is that it's a story and a way to have this interactive therapeutic activity processing you're back to the back to the integration that you're doing. You know, you know, I love it. And it's so such I mean, kids need these tools. So I I'm really excited to get a copy of it myself. And so we'll definitely link it in the show notes so that people can take a look at that. And we'll also link Let Grace in as an organization if you'd like to make a donation or support their amazing work. I like to end um all of my podcasts by asking my guests the same question. So this is my final question. Um, I'm curious to know what tool or piece of advice has served you best in becoming the Gabby that you are today? Well, that's such a tough question. I know it's a hard question. It is. Um, The first thing that kind of came up for me was just to keep going. Hmm. And I I feel like heaven has always had that same encouragement. I would do therapy sessions or deep meditative sessions. And I'm like, it's the same message over and (laughs) over. Like, like, yay, just keep going. You know, like your aunt isn't like, don't stop working. Don't stop growing. Don't stop believing. Don't stop hoping, you know, continue to flex those virtues um, like our body's physical muscles, right? I love that idea of like flexing our spiritual muscles. And then although our grief stays the same, we'll always miss our children. There's that sadness and that that heaviness and life's experiences keep coming that if we grow our big spiritual muscles around it, we can hold it differently or we can, you know, steady it or we can like, you know, embrace it differently. Um So I think that idea of like, and it's so simple. Anyone can do it, right? Just keep going. Just keep going. Just keep going. Keep seeking, keep loving, keep going, keep doing. Um, I just, just go for it. You know, I think that's kind of wrapped up all in that. That's, I could not agree more. And I think that's a great way to end our conversation today. Keep going. (laughs) So thank you, Gabby, for being with me here today. It's a pleasure to talk to you. And um, I just love everything about you. So thank you. Oh, same. Thank you, Jessica. What a blessing. Thank you so much for having me today. 
Thank you for joining me here on the HeartStrong Podcast. Please rate and review this podcast and share an episode that you love with a friend. And when you do, it helps us continue our mission of encouraging people to grow through the challenges in their lives. This podcast is brought to you by the Ethan Lindbergh Foundation and the HeartStrong Collective. To learn more about our work, please visit theheartstrong.com. We'll see you back here next week for another episode of the HeartStrong Podcast. Podcast.